It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 284, Jesus Heals the Centurion's Servant and Spiritual Authority. After Jesus taught on his character and finished the greatest sermon in world history, and his twelve primary ministers are appointed his disciples, he returns to Capernaum. In this episode, we see a military commander seek Jesus out, not because he was God in the flesh, but because he had authority something the commander truly understood. Matthew 8, 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. It was Rick Renner, author of Sparkling Gems from the Greek, um, in his sermon series on the miracles of Jesus, where he says that this reference to the servant of the centurion um, who's suffering badly, and if you look at the actual Greek, the word servant wasn't just servant. It actually has a reference here that it's actually his illegitimate child. So think on this for a bit, and we'll, we'll touch on it many more times. But Jesus would care so much as to heal a pagan, and much less an illegitimate child of a pagan warrior. So yeah, <laughs> chew on this, that Jesus would go so far as to go outside of healing the people of his nation, and to heal the, uh, touch a man who's part of the conquering nation over Israel, and go so far as to touch his illegitimate child. Also, the King James Bible, um, it's reference to Matthew 8, 5, and implies that it's not just a servant or a child that was paralyzed or suffering, but this, this servant or child was grievously tormented. This language favors more of a deliverance than an actual healing. And though the child was paralyzed, there's implications that the child was even demon-possessed as well, which makes this story all the more interesting. While Matthew and Luke recount this story, the clear lesson drawn out by Jesus is faith. But beneath the surface is faith expressed in spiritual authority. Faith is believing in the impossible. But in this case, it's, it's understanding true spiritual authority. Here's a thought for you. Is a deliverance a miracle or a healing? Well, the physical manifestation can be a healing, and of course a miracle, but the spiritual part of it is deliverance. Deliverance isn't an act of faith or a miracle as much as a demonstration of authority. Let me explain. Jesus knew the demons that possessed people. He literally knew the demons by their name. After all, he was part of the Godhead who originally created these fallen angels or these angels before they fell, who now possessed these people. Jesus had the authority to send these angel, these fallen angels into hell early. They were terrified of him, and they did whatever he said. It was a demon's worst day to see Jesus anywhere near them. 
Deliverance wasn't complicated for Jesus. There wasn't an exorcism formula. Just a word from Jesus was enough. The sons of Sceva would do it just with the name of Jesus later. They would just, they knew the name had authority. Literally, the name Jesus had authority. And by saying it, they could cast out demons. And we'll see later, though, that it's not cut and dry either. As a disciple struggled at times, and Jesus would say, some demons require fasting and prayer to be cast out. And then, of course, Jesus would cast that demon out. The lesson in this case was that Jesus already fasted and prayed and gained authority over the devil. And in this fast, he had gained this authority, but the disciples didn't have the same authority yet. They would, but they don't have it yet. All right, back to the account. Luke 7, 3. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. Note how the centurion, who was a commander of over a hundred Roman soldiers, was an honorable man, a man of authority, potentially a sinful man, or a previously sinful man, a pagan, not a Jew, but he was honorable. Because he was a man who was trying to do his best, trying to reform his life, seeing the horrors of war in the past, or maybe still in the present, he had done great things, though, for the Jewish people. Now, think about the Roman army back then. Is um, If you study the Roman army, they were like part soldier, part engineer. It's pretty freaky stuff if you, if you look at some of those... Uh, some of Caesar's letters from Gaul, you can see that every night they'd build a camp and they'd build this fortification sometimes. And, and, and it, would, it would just freak me out when I would learn that these Roman soldiers would actually at times be the ones who built the Roman ro- roads. I mean, they were part soldier, part engineer. I wouldn't be surprised if these hundred guys he commanded in their dead time when they're not helping collect taxes or putting out revolts or chasing the zealots around. They're helping these guys to build their homes or they're helping them to build their their civil buildings. And in this case, it says that they he loved their nation and he built their synagogue. It was almost like they were on a, you know, a mission um, per se to also gain the hearts and minds of the people. Um, and they were building the syn- local synagogues uh, where they worshiped. So that's where he gained favor. He didn't have to do this, but it was um, part of that, you know, Roman ability to put those soldiers to work doing something constructive. And in this case, he he did the right thing. He built their synagogue. And I find because he built their synagogue, it's super interesting. Cornelius would do similar things in the book of Acts. So the takeaway here is that there's no good deed that goes unrewarded by God himself. Any soldiers out there who suffer from PTSD, perhaps you had a previously immoral lifestyle, or even one now, and you went out of it, serve in your church. Serve someone. Bless someone. Spend your time giving to those in need, and you'll gain God's notice. Further, anyone, anyone who gives and cares for the poor, missions, the church, those in need, God sees them, and they're giving. An offering in the right spirit is seen by the God of the universe, and he will protect you, guide you, and bless you, even if you've had a rough past, relationships, or even an illegitimate child. Your good deeds will not go unnoticed. Luke 7, 6. 
He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself and a man under authority, with soldiers under me, I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell this one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, and he does it. Have you ever served in the military? One of the first things you do is go off to boot camp where you learn to follow orders unconditionally. It's a bit intense, but if you can keep your wits about you, it turns you into a radically valuable, character-driven servant. In the end, it helps you to understand authority as well. The authority and chain of command is serious. Serious as death. In the case of the military, a commander can order you to take someone's life or save another. In this time, the order of a Roman officer was easily without repercussions. You could take the life of a person in Israel. There was no recourse. Rome ruled the land. There was recourse, you know, there was some recourse, but you couldn't take the life of a Roman citizen because the Roman, you know, the citizens ruled this government, but things have shifted as well. But, um, outside of those who were Roman citizens. And we'll learn that in the book of Acts, how Paul was actually a Roman citizen and he used it to his benefit. But if you weren't a Roman citizen, you didn't have the same rights. Mm -hmm. Centurions commanded life and death with the word. Rome ruled the land. Thus, the insanely simple statement the centurion said, just say the word and my servant will be healed. This commander understood his authority and recognized it on Jesus as well. It was like his discernment was that he was looking at a military commander. That's how he saw Jesus. He recognized the same spirit in Jesus. How? I don't know. But he, because he knew the, the character of a, an officer, a military commander, he saw it in Jesus. People don't talk that way. That's what I found super interesting. I find this commander understood something about Jesus that required so much more than spiritual discernment. I find this commander, this centurion, understands command structure. He recognized knowingly and unknowingly, uh, he recognized knowingly or unknowingly a commander of armies before him. Jesus is clearly the commander of the Lord's armies. The archangel Michael is the protector of Israel and the warrior angel. But Jesus himself will be the rider on the white horse in the book of Revelation. He commands the armies. Somehow, this commander understood Jesus was a man of authority and another commander. He didn't look like a commander. I mean, in the natural, he was walking with 12 dudes. You know, dirty clothes, right? Like fishermen, tax collectors, you know, a zealot. While this centurion had a power over a hundred soldiers, Jesus was the commander of legions of angels. One word is enough for Jesus. And this commander understood Jesus' power of a single word. And I don't think he knew it as a biblical sense, as in God spoke and created the heavens. No, he knew it as a deliverance sense and a military sense. And Jesus, who has been training his people on faith for months, sees it in this pagan, sinful soldier. Matthew 8, 10. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. 
This is crazy. You can be, you're going to amaze the God of the universe who knows our thoughts, wills, and in action. You know, like he, he knows everything, but we can still amaze Jesus. Isn't that awesome? I want to amaze Jesus. I want to do something radical in faith, right? Truly, I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subject of this kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. To conclude this episode, Jesus cast out demons and brought healing wherever he went. The people he chose to touch were the biggest surprise to society. The tax collectors, the fishermen, the paralytics, the lepers, even the Roman centurion's illegitimate child. Have you felt rejected and refused? I heard this the other day about one of my favorite stories in the book of Judges. Remember Judge Ehud? We kind of went wild with the symbolism back in the you know the beginning days of the podcast. Um, and there's a short account just pulling together the symbolism from that story. Um, but I heard something the other day that kind of messed with me. And I was told in this time in Israel's history, in the time of judges, left-handed soldiers weren't allowed to serve in the military. In fact, they were rejected by their society. So I guess what, you know, Ehud was rejected, yet he made his own left-handed sword. Anyways, because he knew he still had a calling and a purpose. And he was called to be a warrior. You ever felt like that? Rejected by society throughout, left out, frustrated, separated by groups, called terrible names. Ehud felt that way. He was our second judge. No doubt the lepers in the previous episodes felt this way. No doubt this illegitimate child of a centurion was a total reject in society. But what does Jesus say? Jesus hears your every prayer. He sees your tears. He knows your heart. He listens to you crying out to him. And no matter how much others reject you, God has never and will never reject you. It's not his nature. His desires to grow you, nurture you, to bless you, and to have a relationship with you. Cry out to him, and he will respond, despite the voices and the torment, and he will deliver you and heal you, whether you're the son of a world leader or the illegitimate child of a pagan soldier. God knows you. He hears you and will come to your rescue. And with a word, a single word, he will deliver you from your torment and raise you up from your sick bed or bed of affliction and bless you for relationship with him and those around you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Uh, feel free to connect with us. Check out the website, messagetokings.com, or email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.